0: everyone. I'm Barbara Beck, host of Welcome Home on Good Life 45. And you're listening to my good friends, Fritz, Mike and Tina, right here on God's Stories Radio, bringing hope, comfort and encouragement to the world through the power of the Christian testimony. Keep listening for a big blessing from the Lord.
1: this edition of God Stories Radio. This is Session 279. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike.
0: And I'm Tina.
1: What's going on? Who is that voice I heard over there? Who?
0: Who is who? it? Who? <laughs> who? Who? Not the who? L. Who?
1: Mikey. Yes. Mikey's back. I'm here. Woohoo. Mikey is
2: back. <laughs> uh, what's going on, brother? How you feeling? I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling better. <laughs> I mean, like I told you before, my whole system is all messed up, but I do want to thank everyone out there for the prayers, the continued prayers, and I'll take them all and I'll take more because I could feel them when I was there in the hospital. I bet there was a bunch of folks praying for you. Oh, there was. The last time I looked, there was the one you put on Facebook was over 800. Yeah, over 800. You bet. Wow. And then all the... Friends and brothers and sisters throughout the area here, my family, wow.
0: You're definitely loved. There is no doubt about Uh, that.
2: I saw that, definitely. So thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Um, It's going to be another week. I finally made a doctor's appointment. Uh, was able to make a doctor's appointment for next Thursday. So we'll see. Fantastic. Mm. Well, it's good to have you here. Good to see you. It's yes. good to be out. <laughs> it's I, good to be out.
0: Let's keep it this way. Five or six yeah. days
2: in the hospital, I was going stir crazy. I, I can't do it. No, I can imagine. I can't. They were taking good care of you, though, in there. They were. They just like to stick me. <laughs> yeah, they like to it's stick it to you. Do. That's it's what, what they do. It's what they do. That's how they roll. Oh, it looks like you're just falling asleep, but we need to get some more vitals. Oh, are you trying to sleep? Aha, we'll fix
1: that. Yeah. (laughs) Well. No problemo. Big
0: thanks to all the folks out there in healthcare.
2: Amen to that. Yes, I mean, nurses. They're the warriors. They're the heroes. Nurses are something else. You bet. Most of them. them,
1: Thank you all for your service.
2: Yes. Greatly appreciated.
1: Mm -hmm. How about you? Over there, Queen Bee.
0: Oh, well. I'm sipping on my tea that you made me, which is uh, providing relaxing and calming vibes. That's called
1: brownie points tea. Yes.
0: So (laughs) I'm very appreciative of that because it's been a very stressful day.
1: Yeah, you've been orchestrating a few things.
0: I have indeed.
1: (laughs) What about you? I've had had a good week. I've had a better week now that you're sitting here.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Thanks.
1: Yep. Unupright, that's There's very, for sure. very few things that uh, I can get down and out about. Uh-huh. That's for sure. Too blessed to be stressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to have everybody here tonight. Let me see. We've got a bunch of people on the Mixler tonight. And uh, we'd like to welcome Miss Diane Chitino, wife of our guest tonight. Thank you for being here. And you can also uh, chat with us, Diane, since you... Uh, follow us. There is a chat function there and you can uh, send comments and
0: and complaints,
1: criticisms, whatever you want.
0: Robert Herman just said, been praying the whole time. Is Robert Herman on here? He is. is. Yeah. Robert Herman,
1: I miss you, buddy. I'm telling you what, I thought I ran you off with everything going on at the church and everything. So (laughs) it's good to have you on, my friend. Thank you so much.
0: And thanks for praying for Mikey, Robert.
1: Thank you. Amen to that. Continue to take them. Fantastic. Welcome, everybody, to uh, to God Stories Radio tonight. You've dialed into a good one. Oh, you have. And uh, if you don't follow us on uh, Mixer, please do. That way I can give you a shout out. I can see who you are. So thank you again. Thank you all for the Facebook likes. Speaking of which, do we have any? We do. Oh, we do. Oh, all right. Wait a minute. Let me see if I...
0: I really feel like I need a booster seat or something. <laughs> up there. I want to say thank you to Pat. Foster. Pat for, Foster. For thank you. Thank you for Facebook. liking us
1: yeah, on Facebook. Welcome.
0: And then I also want to say thank you to Colleen Carhuff Conrad. Thank you. Colleen, Colleen. welcome thank to thank you. the
1: GSR family. Yes, welcome to the GSR family. Thank you for R the family. like. We really appreciate it.
0: And lastly, I'd like to say thank you to Carissa Bowers. So thanks, Carissa. Carissa, thank you. Yes, thank you. Thanks, thanks
2: everybody. Welcome. You now belong to the GSR family. We thank you very much. And if anyone else out there has not yet liked us on Facebook, please do so. You'll become part of the GSR family. We greatly appreciate it. Well, fantastic. Well, we have an in-house
1: guest tonight. And without further ado,
2: Mikey, who do we have? Well, our guest tonight has been a friend and a brother for probably about two years anyway. Through our brother's meeting or boot camps, especially our breakfast on Saturday mornings, where we really get to know each other. Uh, It's some of the places that I have basically initially met him. Um, He leads uh, the men's group at Lakeside Church. Uh, Tommy and his family went through a tragedy a little over a year ago. And as I watched him trying to deal with it, and as he started to turn the corner as best as one could from something like that, I felt it was time to ask him to share his testimony. And I got a yes. But then I got, well, I got to do this, and I got to do that, and uh, something else came up. It's always a process, Mikey. Uh The excuses, yes. Well, as he told me, he likes watching TV 45. And between his excuses, as he was watching TV 45, guess who came up more than once on reruns? <laughs> Us with Barbara Beck. It's
1: funny that you would say that because Barbara Beck is the intro to tonight's podcast. Really? Yep. I oh, pulled that's it, cool. I pulled it out of the archives and I said, you know, put Barbara in there. I Yay. haven't done that in a while. So Barbara will actually be opening this podcast tonight from TV. Aww, isn't, that, isn't, that, nice. isn't that funny? Uh-huh.
2: That's so that's nice. what- I miss her. So that's ah, when he too. acknowledged that God was trying to tell him, all right, let's go. Let's get this done. So
3: I give you my buddy, friend, brother, Tommy Shatino. Hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, guys. I, welcome. I appreciate this. Uh, I appreciate being here and, and the invitation of uh, sharing my testimony and sharing my story with a lot of um, people out there who might need what I've been going through and, and how God has been speaking through me in mm-hmm. my life and some of my ups and downs a lot. Mm -hmm. So, um, it's an honor to be here. Um, I have listened to some of the, you know, some, some of the radios and so forth and stations of uh, some of the testimonies. And I enjoy hearing what people have to share. So I want to share and I want to kind of go back to when I was, um, I was born in Miami in 1962. So, um, I had uh, two sisters, I had a sister, Terry and Tracy, and then I had a, a brother, my younger brother, we were the two middle ones, his name was Todd. My father grew up in a rough time in New York, he's from New York City in the Bronx, and my mother grew up in Maryland, so there's my German, Italian, <laughs> Irish type of uh, <laughs> setting that I have, so... um We grew up in Miramar, Miramar, Florida. Now it's just north of, you know, Miami Mm -hmm. and uh, growing up in Miramar was pretty nice. It was a brand new area growing up there. Wasn't too crowded at the time. Uh, My mother was very, um, let's say, uh, keeping us uh, connected with God by our Catholic religion. Uh, Her brother, which was a Catholic priest, used to come down all the time and Give us a, you know, a private service. You know, it was pretty cool. And we mm-hmm. got to do that and everything. I remember one time I got in trouble. We were in, back in the, um, you know, where the nuns would do their, their services. And I was up on the altar with my Uncle Joe afterwards and said, Hey, Uncle Joe, is that real wine you drink up there? And I think I was probably about eight years old. And <laughs> yeah. he told me, yeah, it's real wine. And he goes, here, go ahead and take a look. And you know, he gives me, you know, the flask. And I'm looking at it and he says, taste it. I said, really? So I'm taking a sip out of it. And here is, I'm taking a sip out of it on the altar. Here comes my mom and two nuns uh. walking by. And <laughs> I, you want to hear the biggest yell. That was my mother. Like, what? <laughs> but it was, uh, you know, we we went to Catholic school and she, my mother made sure that we made our first Holy Communion and our confirmation mm-hmm. and so forth, as the Catholics do.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, and it was, uh, it's interesting how, you know, we see this in a lot of relationships and families that. The father is not connected to church as much as we we, we want them to, right?
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So my father had a bad—I uh, would say—I would say he had a rough upbringing. His father died when he was only fifteen years old. He was an only child. Mm-hmm. It was the day after his birthday, I believe it was, and uh, his mother died when he was approximately like twenty-two or twenty-three. He didn't have any siblings and anybody to help keep him connected to God. He did have aunts and uncles, you know, but it wasn't the same of having a parent. So growing up in New York, he had some rough times. And I have to tell you that some of the things that he's instilled in me, it shows that he was a true warrior and he didn't know it. Mm. And um, I have to say that, uh, you know, my father had a lot of anger problems. When I say anger, he was a very loving person, but he did not know how to deal with anger. He get upset, yell, curse, and that's what I end up knowing. Mm. Now the problem was that I love my father no matter what, and I knew that it really he couldn't control himself sometimes. And then it was the physical part. And every time my father would get physical, because I'm, I'm assuring that this is the way his father raised him, mm-hmm. and. His father was a Golden Gloves boxer. I mean, I, he, my father was a Golden Gloves boxer. His father was a professional boxer. Wow. So they were brought up boxing and fighting. And that's what he knew. Well, there's a lot of stress that went on in my life because being the oldest son, I took the majority of the abuse. When I say abuse, mm. the beatings. One of the good things is, is when I go back and I could say to one of the boot camps, the first boot camp I went to, I was able to connect and and surrender that to God knowing that it wasn't his fault. So I knew that I I had a father who loved me because he's always was there. He's always showed up. But we always had that conflict of the anger which brought anger out in me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So I have to say that, you know, when I did finally accept that my father was not a, you know, you know, he was truly trying to accept he was but didn't know how to do it because he wasn't walking with God. He had a great heart but he had to, he didn't have God and after we got older, we never went to church anymore. My mother continued to do that but we never went to church as mm-hmm. we became teenagers mm-hmm. we had our own minds and we had our own excuses mm-hmm. you know just like I was trying to do with this <laughs> for a while but um I have to say that uh, as I got older, And I had my own mind and I was further away from God. I still had a good heart, but growing up in South Florida, what was around South Florida in the 70s, the 80s, okay? And you're 16, 17, 18 years old. There's drugs, there's alcohol, pornography, all these bad things that are going on out there. And I got a piece of that. I I got somehow involved with all these different things. And it took control of my life in a bad way, knowing that I was always a good athlete you know, playing sports and everything else. My father was very tough on me. I wanted to be the best baseball and football player that I can be for him. But in turn, my father was very strict on that. And as far as he was against drugs, which was, I was proud of him for that because being an only child, he could have gotten easily involved mm-hmm. in stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But he was tough on us in that way, in that aspect. We um, we ended up, um, I ended up trying to, find myself and where I was going in life. And I was strong enough to walk away from the drugs. And, you know, if my mother's listening right now, I'm sorry, mom,
4: but,
3: <laughs> you know, I, there was cocaine it was a big part of the late seventies and early eighties.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, um, I really had to make up a decision what I was going to do. And, um, I ended up meeting this one woman and I was about 20 years old. And we were at a Super Bowl party, and what ended up happening was I was trying to lean up against the wall talking to my buddies, and she wanted to dance. I didn't know her from anywhere, and she pulls me onto the dance floor, and I said I'm waiting on somebody. And she says, "No, let's dance," and I ended up dancing with her. And then after dancing, talking to her, and everything else, and when I kissed her for the very first time, I said I never felt that before. I never felt that type of love in my heart. And she says, either did I. That was my wife now today. Wow. So there's an amazing, amazing story how I was a player back in the day and and not proud of it, but not knowing what it truly was to find love. And that was true love right there. And I'm proud to say that 35 years married with this woman. Congratulations. has been a, a blessing in my heart because she's done some great things, still mm-hmm. some great things in me. So, if you're listening, Diane, I love you, baby.
4: Aww. <laughs> That's so sweet.
3: So, the great thing is that we had um, end up having a, a couple of children, three children, and we end up having my first daughter, Alexandra, who is now 30-something years old. I can't remember. 32, 33. It's, you know, they always change, and um, <laughs> she has um, given us a grandchild, Okay. Aww. Evan. And she's now pregnant with a, another one. And it's going to be a granddaughter. Yay. So, uh, I also have, I have a son, Nick Nicholas and Nick is, uh, would have been about 30 years old. And then, um, we end up, um, having my youngest daughter, who just graduated nursing school. So I'm very, very proud of her.
4: It's great.
3: So three lovely kids. And, um, we moved from South Florida. We needed to get away from there because there was way too many bad things happening in our lives, way too much stress. I was caught up in a business um, where I went into business by myself, ended up having a partnership. And the first part that happened here was that I ended up getting a contractor's license, which was a, a commercial pool license. And the long story short is that I ended up going to a partnership that I probably should have never done because it was all about the money. Mm-hmm. And when I went into this partnership, over a period of time, I seen the partnership falling and failing and that my partner was getting involved in drugs again.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: he was into a lot of bad things that I didn't want to be part of and then ended up cheating on his wife and everything. Mm-hmm. So I knew I had to get away. And when I did separate from the company, which I had the license, the bad part was he continued to use my license. Oh, no. <laughs> So needless wow. to say, after about a year later, I'd get in calls from the state and they told me that this person, whoever is doing these jobs, stole over a quarter of a million dollars. Whoa. Wow. Oh, no. Well, needless to say, I was arrested. Oh, man. And Gosh. spent a, about a week in jail. Mm-hmm. And it was the hardest thing in my life because here I am, I'm coaching baseball with my son and, you know, it was opening day coming up and I couldn't be there. And it hurt me so bad. Mm -hmm. And I knew I was innocent, Mm -hmm. but I was trying to fight for whatever, you know, why they were saying it was me. Well, we're just going to fast forward ways. And it put a lot of stress in my life. I ended up having to claim bankruptcy. I had to put everything, you know, in my parents' name. Um, We ended up having to sell my house and then move in with my parents Mm -hmm. because they were coming after me for everything,
4: Mm -hmm.
3: even though I was innocent. Well, going through the process of doing this, I lived with my father and mother, I think it was for a couple of years. And the hard part was, is that I wanted to be on my own. I was a man and I wanted to have my own house Mm -hmm. and I was struggling, but I was also struggling with this problem of, if I'm going to be found guilty for something I didn't do. Mm -hmm. It got really bad. And I can remember the conversation I had with my father one day in the garage and We had a bad argument and it was a yelling argument. And here I am, probably 40 something years old, my younger 40s. And I got really, really mad and vocal and everything else. And I can remember our father just said to me, Tommy, what is wrong with you? And that was the first time I could remember. And I said it out loud because I thought it just like a lot of us guys do. Dad, I don't want to live anymore. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be here. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: I wanted to run Mm -hmm. away.
2: You're in good company.
3: You betcha. Yeah.
1: You're in a room full of runners. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Woo.
3: So seeing the argument go from a yelling match to my father automatically adapting to the loving father that I knew he was just hugged me and assured me that we're going to go through this together, Tom. You're not by yourself on that. It's what we talk about in Fight Night
4: and mm-hmm.
3: our brotherhood. And here he was already teaching this and he wasn't even part of that brotherhood with us, you know, in church. So I was really proud to know that my father had my back because I knew he always would. Well, I knew we had to get out of South Florida and that's when we moved up here about 17 years ago. And in 17 years, a lot of things was happening when we first moved up here and we found a house that we were waiting to get built. Ended up moving into another house because it took, quite a while for them to build a house. And I ended up meeting a family, Pat and Jan Bianchi. Mm. And uh, if you know the Bianchi, Very well. Yes. He's been on the show too. Yeah. Pat has. Yeah, yes. So Pat and I became best friends and we were coaching baseball together. I was coaching his kids. So I was like a father to his kids. He was like another father to my kids. His kids were always at my house. My kids were always at their house.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: So one day I remember... My kids talking to me, saying, "Hey, we're going to a youth group, and we've been invited to a youth group, and we're in this church, and we want you to come to the church." I said, "No, nah, I'm not going to church. <laughs> what kind of church is it? And it's not a Catholic church. I'm not going." And my wife talked to us, talked me into going. And then Pat and Jan were saying, "Well, they were going, and they were going. They are trying it out too, because Pat's oldest son, Pat, was playing the keyboard up there." I said, "I'll give it a shot." So we go there, and here we are. Going to Second Chance Fellowship, which was the church where which originated at with Pastor Jason. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I got to meet Pastor Jason. Well, the interesting part of it was, is that, you know, here I am standing inside the church, not realizing that, you know, he was directing uh, a great message and it was connecting with me directly. How many times do we hear a pastor talk or somebody preach? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh my gosh, they feel like they're talking directly to me. Yeah, many times. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And I, and I, and I just said, you know, this is something that's pretty good, you know, but the only downside was I'm like, we're in a middle school. I didn't, you know, I wasn't used to that. Then I heard that they were expanding and they were going to build a church. Right. And I was a store manager with Home Depot at the time. So being a manager with Home Depot, I said, I wanted to go ahead and help them supply materials. His father was a general contractor was going to be building the church where we're at now. Mm -hmm. And that's where it became Lakeside Church. So I actually ended up providing a lot of materials there and, you know, going through there and just, you know, watching the construction going on and so forth. And I said, you know, I'm going to start attending more. But it's like anything else. We attend for a couple weeks and then we miss a week and Mm -hmm. find an excuse not to be there and not get the word that we really need. Well, as a manager for Home Depot, you know, we bounce us around from store to store. I was getting sent to this new store. And of course, the first thing as a store manager, you get to get to know your people. They tell you to sit down, talk to each customer, I mean, each employee Mm -hmm. and find out a little bit about them. Well, after going through 135 Employees. Okay. <laughs> just a In a couple ones. of days, wow. I had this one young lady come across my office and I asked her, you know, I'm your new store manager. How are you doing? And she looks at me and she goes, I'm not doing good. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, what's going on? And she tells me and just opened up and said, I'm struggling right now and I don't want to be alive. I don't want to be here. I don't, my daughter was. Killed unnecessarily. And we all watched her die. Wow. And I don't know what I want to do, what I, what I should be doing right now. I'm a Christian woman, but I don't have any faith right now. And I'm angry and I'm disappointed and I'm upset. And I don't want to live. And I'm like just meeting this person for the very first time. And I'm saying the first thing I'm like in a, sitting in my chair and I'm controlling my thumbs underneath the desk saying, I don't know what to do. I need to get away from this. I just need to get her some help with somebody, but I don't know what to do. And you talk about the two by four in the back of the head. Mm -hmm. Well, this was definitely a four by four in the back of my head. Uh And God says, Tom, I need you to get involved. I said, what am I supposed to do? And I hear him, that's when I heard God tell me, Tom, you need to be involved. You need to get involved. So I reached out to Pastor Jason and church was brandly you know, it's just finished not long ago, you know, prior to that. And I asked him if he would meet with this person and talk. Well, I introduced them and I kind of just sit back and listen to Pastor Jason minister to her. But not just minister to her, he was ministering to me. Mm -hmm. And I just felt the presence of love of a person that he never met before, but he was given God's word, which was actually coming through me also. Knowing that, wait a minute, I was involved for a reason. So fast forward six months later, I'm in my office again. I get a knock on my door and the same person walks in my office and says, Tom, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, absolutely. What's on your mind? She says, can I give you a hug mm. for saving my life?
4: Oh,
3: wow. She says, because without you getting involved the way you did and stayed in touch with me and prayed and introduced me to your pastor, I have my faith back. I have my love for God back. And I have my love for life back. And that was the turning point in my life. Hot diggity. Woo. So at this point now, okay, you got me, God. I'm all in. I got to get involved with the church more. Mm -hmm. I need to do more things. Well, I didn't like a lot of things that happened in the corporate world and business. So when I seen that they were doing things that they shouldn't have been doing and it had to do with people that have been with the company for a long time. I decided, you know, I'm going to step on some toes here because I'm not going to keep quiet to see people get fired unnecessarily. Well, when I did that, of course, when I went up to the top, it turns a negative towards me. hmm So as they took this district HR and terminated that person, a couple weeks later, what do you think happened?
0: Yeah, they came after you. They yeah. came
3: after me Absolutely. and terminated me. Mm-hmm. At which time was the first time I've ever been fired from a job. And I was torn. And I think I called my wife. And the next person I called was Pat Bianchi. Mm
4: -hmm. Because
3: that was my brother. That was, you know, someone I was very close with.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: Anyway, Pat says to me, Tom, you need to get connected to a men's group. I need to get you involved. And that's when I met. Pat Hennis, if you know Pat Hennis, mm-hmm. Pat is, even was the leader. He actually started this church with Pastor Jason. Mm-hmm. He was one of the co-founders with him. And Pat, I met, I kind of seen him way back when we were in the middle school and this guy walked around blonde hair and he had a long ponytail and he's doing everything. I was like, for some reason, I got to get to know that guy while well, I was about to meet him. And I met him and it was opened up and that was the first time I was connected to a men's group. And I knew that there was a struggle to open up as a man because as men, we're prideful. Mm -hmm. We're protected. Hey, I can do this on my own. And I I knew I needed help, but I was too prideful to just open up. But I have to tell you that Pat and Pat, both of them were there for me and helped me get involved and connected to God in a lot deeper way. But that's when Pat Hennis Hennis invited me to our first boot camp, And this was the one in Fruitland Park. And this was several years ago. And this is when I was having, I'll say a bad relationship with my son, but I was having a relationship that wasn't as strong as it needed to be because I was trying to control his life like my father did to me. Mm. And I knew I needed to get away from that. And that's why I went to the boot camp. And that was when I finally was able to open up and ask God to forgive me. And I was able to ask God and and forgive my father for the things that he did to me because I knew he was a great person. And my father, I mean, was amazing. It was when my, you know, going to these boot camps and everything else, I knew that I wanted a special relationship with my my children, and especially my wife, because it was all about work. And we become all about work, and you forget about the family. That's not God's plan. Well, back in 2011, my father started getting sick, and he started fighting cancer. Well, the interesting part of that was they thought it was just a rash on him, and he was having some type of T-cell lymphoma cancer on his body. And it started treatment, and then it started getting worse. And then the treatment went away. And then the treatment, some of it went away, and then got worse again. Well, needless to say, his heart was the weak point. And with all the treatment that they were doing with the chemo and everything else, it was hurting his heart. Come to find out, he had a couple heart attacks. But my father was always the strong guy. Always, you know, he doesn't care how many people are out there, if he's going to protect an innocent person, He's gonna fight three, four, or five people. He was the strong man. That was my father, and here it is. I'm seeing my father as that strong person. All of a sudden, becomes scared, and then he started asking me and asking my mother more about God. And I knew at that time, this is amazing because now he's starting to open up and wants to be part of the, you know, what we all want, our relationship with God. Well. I have to tell you that um, it took a bad course quickly when I got a phone call and I was at work and I got a phone call from my mother. And my mother called me up. I could hear my dad in the background saying, Tommy, get over here. Get over here. Your mother's trying to kill me. Your mother's trying to kill me. Well, he's delusional because of all the mm-hmm. medication he was on and then what he was going through. My mother is a retired registered nurse. She was a very giving person and loving person. And had a huge heart, so my mom just says, "Tom, please get up here." And I pretty much left work, packed my bags, and went up there. I went there to make the appointment, so we can go see the heart doctor and the actual uh, cancer doctor. We went to the heart doctor first. Scariest part was we went in there, wheelchair, you know, my father in. The doctor took one look at him and says, "Ron, you're not doing good. You need to get right back in the hospital." My father looked back at me over his shoulder. He started to cry and says, Tommy, I don't want to go back in there. I'm not coming out. Mm-hmm. It was less than a week later, three or four days later, I get a phone call from my mother just after we he's been in the hospital. And she says, Tom, you need to get here right away. He's not doing well. They had to bring him back a couple times on CPR. So I rushed down from Claremont all the way to the villages. I think I got there in about 25 minutes. Mm -hmm. I passed every red light. Mm. I broke a couple laws. So anybody remembers that back in 2011 and you're a cop and you're listening, sorry about that. I get to the hospital. My father is um, not coherent at the time. Um, Eyes are closed. I walk over to him. I grab his hand. As my mom is in the other room, I said, Dad... I'm here. It's okay. I have mom now. Within five seconds, his eyes rolled to the other side of his head and he died.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Wow. That was hard for me, but at the same time, he was waiting. And I think that's the true thing. Is he was waiting for me to oh, get yeah, there. For sure. To take care of his pride and joy. Well, One of the things that I've learned, and when I became part of the church, and when I say part of the church, part of a Christian that I wanted to be with God, is that I truly wanted to know what my path was, what God had for me. And there was a lot of things that um, I was struggling with that was anger, and there was control that I still had. And the more and more boot camps we went to, I can remember. My wife's saying to me, Tom, don't you have a boot camp coming up? Mm. Let's make sure you're registered. Make sure you pay your own time. Let's get Uh you out of here. Let's get you going. Because every time I came back, I was a better person. Absolutely. But this is how we got involved. And and you guys uh, are all very familiar with Matt O'Keefe and everything and Kimberly. And um, this is when we joined forces um, with our men's uh, life group with Pat Haynes and myself, because I was actually starting to lead that group with him. And then we got involved with with Matt and we tried to take this thing to another level. And that's when we called it Fight Night. And with this became an amazing opportunity to reach men because as men and as a man and in the one that I need to set the right example in my household and lead by example, I need to know God. And through a band of brothers that we have, it was just an amazing thing that we had this connection. But the amazing part of it was even deeper than that, is it was just not at our, just at our church. And that's when I got to meet, meet you, Mikey. Mm-hmm. And then, first, I've seen you before, you know plenty of times also. And with that connection that we have as a band of brothers, no matter where we're at, we're all walking the same walk. Amen. Together. Amen to that. So we, uh, we had a very interesting uh, situation that happened. Um, I had a... Another, well, when Matt and Kimberly decided they were taking another venture in our life and when they moved down to Fort Myers, they had another life group that we were attending and my wife and I, because it was for her and I, and it was the life changers group. And I was attending that with her, with my wife, and it was a very, you know, open, small group. And uh, as we started to grow, Matt started showing opportunity to move down Fort Myers with a business proposition with his son-in-law and family. Well, after he left, I told my wife, I said, before he left, I says, you watch, and we're going to be taking over that group. And my wife says, no. And I says, yes, we are. Well, needless to say, I was asked to take over the group. And we have had as many as 30 people in that group at one time. One of the amazing people as part of that group, and it's also getting to the point of the story is an amazing woman. and Her name was Debbie. Her name, her name is Debbie. She had a situation where he was part of our men's group, her husband. And um, he had an addiction and that was drugs and alcohol. He tried to fight it. He came to boot camp. He came to the church, but he ended up losing in the long run and he ended up passing away. I'll never forget how Debbie was able to handle this as a, as a Christian woman and truly a Christian woman, how she was able to stay focused on her family, but loving and knowing that her husband was in a better place. Well, let's put another twist on that. Several weeks later, we're at the church in the morning and we're getting ready for service and the police show up. And before Debbie was able to get there, we found out that her son was murdered. Oh, Weeks later. Wow. I was so choked up. I was feeling so bad in in my heart just for her. When she walked in and she saw the police and when we brought her back into the room, she knew right away. Well, being part of the group, and her husband was part of our Wednesday group also, knowing that what she was going through, the church came together like crazy just to support her, her family, and every Amen. way we could. that's what it's all about. Yep. So we um, ended up taking over the life group, and, and the church started, you know, the people started coming to our house, my house, my, my wife's house. And I remember a situation where Debbie called me yep. up the day of our life group, which was August, I was, I was thinking it was August 18th in 2019, Calls me up and says, Tom, they just had the sentencing for the person who murdered my son. I said, Debbie, how'd you do? And she says, Tom, I walked over to him afterwards. Mm. I gave him a hug and I told him I forgive him. And I prayed with him. Wow. And I said, Debbie, you, you, you are amazing to do that for someone who's, you know, took your child's life. I was so impressed with that. I wanted to share that with the group. Oh my gosh. So that night I asked her if it was okay if I shared it with the group. And here I am sharing. I says, Debbie, you're an amazing woman of God. And to forgive a person who took your son's life and pray for them is what God wants us to all be about.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And I was just, I was just, so happy to be in her presence and be around her, to be around a woman like that, that can show other people on how we could forgive. Mm. And especially after mm. a son passed away. That's truly a display of the Lord's strength right there. Absolutely. I don't know it that had to. Had to I, could be. Be. I couldn't have done that. It had to be. Yeah. So, which leads me to the next day, August 19th, or August 15th, 2019, the very next day. Now keep in mind, I've been trying to work with my son in a lot of different ways and help him through his, you know, his career and so forth. And my son was amazing. He picked up things quickly. He was customers loved him. He worked at the dealership I was at and everything. And, um, he was doing a great job, but he was struggling in a few areas. And that was just because he was not happy with himself. He would go to church. He would serve. He would go to our first Wednesday and, and, and worship with us, but he still was not happy. And we've had a lot of discussions about it, and I think there were more one-sided discussions in some cases. So that day, it was a Thursday. I had just got home from work. I changed my clothes. I said a time. I got to go somewhere. He had just gotten home from work. I asked him how his day was. He says, it was pretty rough. I'm going to go take a shower. I said, well, mom's got food here. I'm going to take off. I'll be back in a little bit. I, uh, I went to the store. I came back about 30 minutes later. I sat down on the couch and was watching TV. My wife came home with my daughter, my youngest daughter, Samantha. And they were showing the stuff that they bought. And I'm sitting on the couch. And I remember it was very distinctly and out loud, go check on Nick. Go check on Nick. Three times, go check on Nick. So I asked my wife, Diane, please go check on Nick. For whatever reason, I'm feeling this, go check on Nick. She starts knocking on the bathroom door, checking on Nick. Nothing. She says, he's not answering. I says, just bang on the door, tell him I'm coming in there. I just want to make sure he's okay. And she's jiggling the handle, jiggling the handle. Finally gets the door open. and i hear the uh, door scream a mother can never sound out and yelling my name tommy tommy yelling as i rushed over there we found and i ran into the bathroom i found my son dead on the floor he was already black and blue and all I can do is just yell for God. I try to do CPR on him. But I knew he was dead at that time. There was just nothing. And my daughter, the strength that she had was she called 911. She stayed focused. And um, the first thing I can do is just fall to my knees after Paramedics got there and pulled me off. I just got on my knees and knew what that normal reflex was, was to start praying. Mm. My daughter was smart enough to call our pastor, Pastor Jason. Within 10, 15 minutes, Pastor Jason and his wife, Caroline, were at our house. And then I tried to call my buddy, Pat Mm
4: -hmm. Bianchi.
3: and I called him up and again... He was like another father to my son and to my girls. Him and his wife, Jan, were out of the house instantly. They stayed all night. I didn't know what I was going to do and how I was going to get through this. And all I could do was think back about the night before.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: About Debbie and her husband and her son within weeks. Mm-hmm. I was angry. I can remember the police officers trying to hold me back because they found something in the bathroom and I wanted to know what it was. Well, if anybody knows anything about drugs and for those who are out there that are maybe playing around with them a little bit and trying them out, there's this thing called fentanyl. Mm. that's in the drugs. Mm-hmm. And that's what was in the cocaine that was Found on the counter.
1: And it doesn't take much from what I hear. No, it doesn't. The wrong amount, it's done.
3: Well, I have to say that um, we were in the process of going through 21 days of prayer at our church. So the 21 days of prayer, everybody would meet at 6 a.m. at the church. And it was pretty interesting that, um, you know, Pastor Jason was there till like 4 o'clock in the morning in Caroline. And Tom, I'm gonna leave. I have people coming to church in a couple of hours. Just um, you know, I'll be back later on. I said, I appreciate you, bro. Thanks for you know, I appreciate you being here and being here for my family. Let's just pray. And he says, We're praying for you. Well, any person who is going through a tragic thing like this, automatically they just want to just sit and mope. And I knew I felt God telling me that you needed to be at the church. For 21 days of prayer. Mm. So the very next day I got up and I got up in five o'clock and at 6 a.m. I was at the church. I've never felt so much love from people that just wanted to just pray for me.
2: I know how you feel.
3: And I was amazed on how this was helped me through what I was feeling at the mm-hmm. time. So I have to tell you that the, the 21 days of prayer, I did not miss one time. I made it one of my goals that I was going to be there every single morning, every morning. And I can remember the very last day it was on a Sunday because we always ended on a Sunday. But my whole family was there. My whole family in South Florida and all around were visiting you know, with us and everything. And I can remember going to the service, and they had saved a bunch of seats for us. I mean, we had like thirty-five people, and we're all sitting up towards the front. And I can remember Pastor Jason being on stage and just saying a few kind words, you know, just directed towards us and the family, and and my mother and my wife, and um, the church just automatically just got connected and just started applauding for us and supporting us. Mm-hmm. So after service was over, we have the encouragers that are up at the church in the front altar area. And I grabbed my mother and I grabbed my wife. and I says, there's Sheila up there who has a great heart for God. And I said, let's go up there and pray. So we went up there and Sheila started praying for us, praying over our family and, and over Nick And I felt Pastor Jason's hand come in and he started praying also. And I felt, I think, another hand on my other shoulder. And all of a sudden, I don't know what it was because my eyes were closed and I wasn't looking around. And I felt like this big hug coming around me, just a a loving hug coming around me. And I didn't know how to explain it, but I felt like I was being held by God. Mm Mm-hmm. So after church was over, we went back to the house and um, had one of my friends that came over just, you know, say hello. And he comes up to me, he says, Tom, wasn't that amazing what happened at church today? I go, what are you talking about? He goes, you don't remember what happened? Because when you went up there to pray. I says, what are you talking about? He says, Tom, three quarters of the church We're all laying hands on all of you guys up there. I was 14 rows back and couldn't even get up in there.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: And that was the love I felt from the church. Mm -hmm. Amen. I've never experienced that before in my life. You know, that kind of love. Every day there was somebody bringing food over and just loving on us and just being there. There's this one guy... And his name is Kenny, and um, he just showed up. Unexpectedly, just showed up. What are you doing? What can I do for you? He was just there, just to be there, to make sure I was okay. He didn't have to say much. And that's what, that's what the Brotherhood, the Band of Brothers is mm-hmm. about. That's what it's all about. So I knew that uh, at this church that I was... Part of that, I was so proud to be serving at, and I've served just about in every aspect of the church that you can serve at, and I oversee a lot of areas, and um, I love our core values that we have at the church, and you know it's, it's loving God, but the key was loving people, it was one of the key core values, and pursue excellence, and then on top of it, serve with joy. Those were some of the things that I love about our core values. I don't go there to expect anything to get paid for anything. I mm-hmm. want to go there and serve and see what I can do to help others as they did for my, myself and my family going through this situation. I want to go back a week before we found my son dead. Cause when we, when God is talking to you, there's times that we don't listen and we think, no, that's not what I want to do. No, I've uh, never done that. No, <laughs> what you're talking about, though? I'm not ready for that right now. Let's uh, wait until another two weeks or something. You know, I'm too busy. Yeah. I'm watching the sports. Absolutely. A week before, we found my son. I was sitting on the couch and I heard God say, "Tom, you need to talk to Nick, and you need to tell him how much you love him and how much you're proud of him." I said okay. I'll do that tomorrow. No, no, you Mm -hmm. need to do that when he comes home tonight. And now you also need to ask him for forgiveness of the things that you've hurt him through in life. So, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm not the one that's going through the struggle right now. This is my son. He says, and now I hear clear again, you need to ask him to forgive you and apologize to him. I said, okay. I, I just, I didn't get it. But I knew I had to do it that night. Well, God had it set up perfectly. He came home. There was no distractions. Nobody else was home, just him and I. We sat and uh I told my son, I need to talk to you, Nick. I need, I'm concerned about you. I love you, and I want to be there for you. But you got to be able to open up. He says, Dad, I'm not happy at work. Dad, I don't like. Some of the things that's going on in my life, I'm struggling in a lot of areas and I don't know how to tell you. I says, some of that's my fault. Nick. I says, I'm sorry. I love you for who you are. I'm not judging you for anything, but I love you and I'm proud of you for who you are. And he says, dad, I don't know how to get through life sometimes and, and each day I says, Nick, when's the last time you just prayed? Prayed in the morning before you start your day. Pray before you go to bed. Pray in the middle of the day. And he says, I had never done that. I says, try it, Nick. It works for me. I didn't used to do it either. I didn't pick that up until I was over almost 50 years old. Mm-hmm. So two days later, I mean, we, we hugged afterwards. We kissed. We had such a great conversation for like 45 minutes. No arguing, no accusing. Two, two days later, he calls me back dad, dad, guess what? Guess what? Says what, Nick? What's going on? He goes, thank you. I go, thank you for what? He goes, I've been praying. I feel so much better. I feel like I have a purpose and I'm happier now. Thank you, dad. I says, you're welcome, son. I'm here for you. If I would have went back and didn't listen to what God was telling mm-hmm. me to have that conversation, And I put that off to another day
4: Mm -hmm. and
3: didn't get to have that conversation with him. You'd be beating yourself (laughs) up right now. Where would I be right now? We Mm -hmm. probably wouldn't be in here talking. Mm -hmm. So for those listeners that are out there, when God is speaking to you and he's telling you to do something, you need to do it.
0: Immediately.
3: Immediately. Put pride away. Remember, it's God's will. It's not ours. Mm -hmm. And we need to follow where he's guiding us and what path he's taking us. So that's when I decided, you know, that I'm going to become the person I want to be as far as where God's taken me. And that was something that um, I learned in boot camp and in a lot of things is um, I carry this coin in there and it's Ephesians 13 and it has to be with the full armor of God.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And, and just put it on that full armor every day when anytime I'm having a battle and I keep it in my pocket, in my left pocket all the time. And if I feel a situation that's happening in my life where it's a struggle, where I'm about to get angry over a situation I don't need to, I put my, my hand in my pocket and I start touching the coin and, and and reading the scripture. And it it helps me get through. And when I do reach in there and I don't have it in there, that's when I struggle. So I, I have to say that... um. My two daughters um, are amazing and was able to get through this. I know they hurt a lot. I'm very proud of my daughters. One's a school teacher. Um the other one just graduated graduated nursing school. So, like I said before, um she's coming back home and she's gonna try to get a job this way, it looks like. So I'm proud of my wife. I struggled because I wanted to be there for her. And sometimes she wasn't ready to talk. And I wanted to talk about it. But I knew in her time. And I'm still waiting patiently because that's one of the things i learned from God is patience. I'm trying to get through all of this and it's never going to go away. No. Nope. I um, just recently, tomorrow was my last day. I quit my job. Mm -hmm. I worked at a dealership. Made very good money, but it reminded me too much of my son every day. I still have customers coming in and asking me, Hey, how's my boy Nikki doing? Wow. And that's a whole nother conversation we have Mm -hmm. to have. But I also turned it into a positive. I got these 75, 80 year old men and women asking about my son. What a great compliment. And
1: what an impression. Yeah, I was going to say that would what ultimate compliment. He's
3: made such an impression on these people and they Fantastic. love him for that. My Left son, a legacy. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of features i see seen in my son and I hear afterwards and talking about my son, about what he did and his friends and his cousins and how he never was the middle. He was always the middle guy to keep everybody from arguing from each other. He never was in that part of arguing and kept, he kept everybody peaceful. I love that. And that's what I want in my life.
0: He was the peacemaker.
3: Yes, he was. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that in my life that's going to change. And and I have a lot of things that I'm trying to still work on in my life. But I know that it's a process. It's a slow process. Everybody wants things instantaneously, especially when we look at our phones We want instant gratification, and that's why people drink or look at pornography or drugs, and I think as Christian people, we need to reach out and help these people through this. Mm -hmm. So young men, I I just want to kind of mention a person, another person you guys know through the church. Um, We were at a boot camp, and after my son passed away, they asked me to get up at boot camp, and... Talk. And it oh, was something that was wow. very... Yeah, I, I was there
2: that night. Yeah. Holy moly.
3: They asked four of us to come up there and give a little bit of a short testimony. Well, there was four of us up there. Now, the one on the very far right-hand side, and I was on the last one on the left-hand side. First person that went, his name's Ken McDermott.
2: He's been in here. We know him
3: a few oh, times. Yeah, a, a few times. times. Wow, man. Well, if you know Ken's story, he talked a little bit about how his son, Donovan was such a mm-hmm. great heart was trying to get in shape and I think he was trying to go in you know in the army or something but he was running and he was he heard something that made him go outside and look for his son and you guys all know the story that mm-hmm. his son was found on the ground he thought his son was dead. and again, this was a drug related with fentanyl
4: again. Mm-hmm.
3: and I'm going, oh my gosh when he was telling this story, I was just like in shock. But by the time it got to me and I told my story, this is when an instant connection, a brotherhood between Ken and myself since that day, and that was years ago, about over a year and a half ago. A couple years ago. Yeah, a year and a half ago, Mm -hmm. that we stay in contact every day with each other. And God told me also, that I wanted to meet his son. Something told me I I needed to meet his son. And when I met his son, it was an amazing spiritual thing that happened that I see my son in him in a lot of ways. And a young man like he is, who has got an amazing heart, still to this day, is going to struggle with this for the rest of his life. But we all have to know that we have to support and I was proud to know, you know, get to know Ken better, but especially his son, which was something special for us.
0: I'm really glad you got that opportunity. Wow. Awesome.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. Fantastic. Man, what a testimony. <laughs> I'm riveted, man. Yeah, <laughs> Tina. Tina's been quiet. <laughs> she can't reach her mic. She needs a booster seat. I do
0: need a booster seat. It's like on my forehead. This is
1: hilarious. <laughs> I had to show her on Facebook Live. It's six inches below the mic. <laughs> wow, Tom, thanks for coming out, man. I'll tell you, we and what a great crowd on Mixler tonight. We had over, at one time, the biggest crowd I've ever seen, over 62 people. Wow. Whoa! Yeah, 62 people. And I know we went a little long tonight, but man, was it worth it. And there's still people oh, hanging out with us. Uh, and uh, we just ask that uh, maybe you follow us and then you can chat with us like a lot of people were doing tonight and asking questions. And we just appreciate it. Thank you so much. Man, what a great show. Thanks again for coming, Tom. Thank you. really appreciate it. Me. Thank you. If you have a testimony and you want to come in and give it like Tom, uh, Drop us a line, GodStoriesRadio at gmail.com. And if you uh, want to be an in-person guest, it could be GodStoriesRadioTina at gmail.com. And what else can they do, Mikey? They
2: can tweet us. They can tweet
1: us on the Twitter, uh, like us on the Facebook. And there's so many ways you can uh, follow us and pray for us and support us and as we support you. Because it's been our only agenda since uh, God started this eight years ago. Almost eight years almost ago. Almost eight, we'll eight years be ago, in next May, month. Eight years and. 279 episodes. I still uh, look back on that. And I, I just am amazed <laughs> at that. I really am.
2: So. Unbelievable.
0: Thank you for opening up about something so deeply personal. Oh, yeah. And mm-hmm. sharing yeah. it with everyone. Absolutely. It, it
2: took them a working. while, but.
0: Yeah, its um, it's the type of thing, though, that I think people need to hear, right? It's not something you necessarily want to share, but people no, need to hear Absolutely. Right?
3: I mean, that goes on daily. I think the important part is people have to understand that we're not the only one going through this. Amen. There's other people going through this right hey, now.
1: Amen, that's right. Uh-huh. And he's going to give you opportunity to share that knowledge
3: mm-hmm. and
1: that give that comfort because right. you do understand. And I, I know there's reasons I went through a lot of things that I did because... You can have, you can minister to those people like nobody else.
2: Right. Absolutely. You can, you understand. And he will bring those people around. He will. He
1: absolutely will. He he won't, uh, it won't be for naught. That's for sure.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: You know, even though your son is with the Lord now, you've made this connection, right? With your friends more, I'm sure more than one of your friend's sons. Right. Oh yeah. And. It gives you a special relationship with them, too. And you said you felt it on a spiritual level. And I would just encourage you, you know, just keep staying positive, keep sharing your story, and just don't forget the impact that you're making. Absolutely. Just like your friend Diane made on you. Debbie. Debbie, I'm sorry. Debbie, yeah.
3: I we're promise you'll come back for a part that. two. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> you got me on recording.
1: <laughs> absolutely, y'all heard it here first uh-huh. on GSR.
2: Yes, sir. Wow. Um, proud of you. Thank you, brother. Right, and you're you were given that testimony. It was it's yours. Yes. So you need to
3: take care of it. That's why it's yours to help others. Well, if anybody's local out there and you're a man that's broken and you want to be part of something special, come visit us at the Lakeside Church in Oakland, Florida. We meet the first and third Monday of every month at 7 p.m. And we may even feed you.
2: <laughs> well, there's a deal you can't refuse. <laughs> uh huh. We are uh, the king of the shameless plugs, too. So if you want to... Uh, you got anything you want to go for?
3: Uh, I just want to tell you that if you're looking for a solid church, somebody who really can preach to you um, and preach the word the way it's written, is Pastor Jason is amazing on how he delivers his message. I have uh, my brother, who I love dearly, um, who struggles for some things, and um, he's got a great heart. Anytime he comes to visit me here, He'll come to the church and he'll say the same thing I said when the first time I heard Jason speak. It's like, wow, feels like he's speaking right to me.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So he is on um, Channel 45. We, you know, we do have it on Channel 45. And I have to tell you that um, it's amazing to be part of such a up and coming church that is just growing because we're loving people. Amen. We don't judge. Amen.
1: Mm-hmm fantastic. Wow. Well, we don't judge either. So if you have a testimony, we want it. We God do stories, radio at gmail.com. If you want to be a guest to God stories, radio, Tina at gmail.com. And also to, um, if you go to www.godstoriesradio.com, there's a little button on the front there. And if God so pricks your heart to throw a little change in the jar, we would greatly appreciate it. Every little bit helps. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, bringing hope and encouragement has been our only agenda since we got started. So, well, that's going to be about it tonight, man. I, geez, oh. I just feel like uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. Thank you again, Tom. Appreciate yeah. it. Tom's yeah. already promised he's going to come back and do a part two. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait to find out how God uses this story to save lives and touch hearts. Amen. Amen. Amen to that. All right. Well, that about wraps it up for session 279. I'm Fritz. I'm Mike.
0: And I'm Tina. God
1: bless.
2: God
0: bless. God bless.